It's the Morning News Express, 821. Free Talk 930 WFMD, Bob Miller, Ryan Hedrick. And um, on the uh, phone with us is the Frederick County State's Attorney. His name is Charlie Smith. Appreciate you, um, Mr. Smith, for joining us. Thank you, Charlie. Do appreciate it. Um, first off, let's start with a, with a really great thing. Your son, uh, Carson, who was just a beast in high school, has uh, got his uh, – he had some long hair. He no longer has long hair because he's now uh, playing for Army. That, that's correct. It, that was something. It was tough to really find him. They put a couple of pictures up on – websites like the West Point Chaplains or these other uh, Facebook pages, and Mom couldn't even find them, so it was kind of funny there for a while. But we did spot him in a couple of random pictures, so he seems to be doing fine. Charlie Smith joining us. Charlie, uh, let's talk about uh, one of the biggest stories in Frederick County this year that has emerged has been uh, the significant, I wouldn't even call it an uptick, I would call it a surge in crime both in the county and in the city. I was doing some checking the the monthly year-over-year Frederick City statistics show a really alarming rise in uh, car thefts. Can you talk about that? Why is that? Why are so many people stealing cars in the city of Frederick now? I tell you what, it's not only car thefts, but one of the epidemics we're facing as prosecutors nationwide is retail theft. It's just, you talk about COVID was a, was a pandemic. Uh, you know, certainly retail theft is costing, I believe, I was talking to the Target representative, uh, over a billion dollars just to Target alone. So I think it's, uh, you know, a lot of it's, I think just fear of of, of civil uh, repercussions for forcing these people walking out with uh, boatloads of goods as well as somebody who may, perhaps has taken your car. And, you know, in the old days, I guess you'd do something about it. And today you're just afraid that something worse is going to happen. Plus, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of these young, young people who are stealing stuff are also armed and dangerous. So, I think it's a personal safety issue as well. So how much time does an average car thief get? If they come in front of you, knowing it's a nationwide epidemic, knowing it's a, you know, it's, it's a really hurting people that are honest taxpaying citizens, having to replace these cars, pay deductibles, are you sending a message to these people that are stealing people's cars? Oh, absolutely. I mean, fortunately, in Frederick County, um, we're, we have a little bit different perspective on that. We do view them as as threats to public safety, and we treat them as such. But I can remember my days in Baltimore City when I first started out. You know, it wasn't uncommon for a juvenile to have 10, 12, 14 car thefts uh, on their record before we even began to treat them as an adult in the, in the system. In other words, wave them into the adult system. So uh, I do think it's a, a you know community type of uh, intolerance, depending upon where you live, unfortunately. Do you get to, and maybe this is the clerk of the court's job, um, Charlie, when as the state's attorney, so say uh, a murder happens in, in Frederick County, do you have to, do you get to pick the judge or do you have any say in that or is it just automatically assigned to a particular judge? It's, it's assigned to a particular judge based upon their, their docket and their calendar. Um, that's done by the administrative judge, although, you know, there is judge shopping, as one will call it, uh, done by some, uh, you know, defense attorneys in other jurisdictions. And, you know, and even, I guess, sometimes here, but not, it's, it's very rare for, for somebody to, 
kind of play play games like that here in Frederick County. So, no, we don't we don't have any any choice who our judge is. We're just assigned one, and same thing with jurors. It's not like we get to you know weed through a, a a panel of jurors and pick the best panel. We're given certain panels of juries, and we just we have a certain amount of uh, strikes that that we can utilize, and you know we 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 move on from there. Are you are you uh, when you get a case, whatever the case, and you're assigned a judge, and you're like, oh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, don't mention them, but do you have favorite judges that you'd rather go in front of? <laughs> oh boy, uh, you're asking me this on the air. I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, um, you, you know, there. I'm sure defense attorneys are like, oh no, I got Charlie Smith as a prosecutor. There's, a, there's some some of those out there, and I'm like, oh no, I got that person as a defense. Guy counsel or public defender and um you know i would imagine that we all as human beings have that same that same uh, impression when we're like oh boy i got him or her as a judge or yeah i got him or her as a judge but for the most part we're really blessed very fortunate to have a super solid bench in frederick charlie smith state's attorney for frederick county joining the morning news express and we're grateful that he stopped by the show Let's talk about MS-13, Charlie. There is a, a big case going on right now, and I know maybe your hands are tied in terms of what you can say, uh, but this 15-year-old kid that was murdered by uh, five savage gang members, and I, I don't think local officials do a good enough job to warn us about the imminent threat that is MS-13. They have cells all over the city. What can you tell us about this gang, and what are law enforcement officials doing to curtail the violence that this gang causes. Well, we work very hardly uh, in, with other criminal justice partners on intel. So we try to figure out who they are because um, we know they're committing crime, and we try to verify and certify them as gang members. So we we actually do have a gang prosecutor um, in in the office that that does that that deals with uh, uh, Margin, which is like the Mid Atlantic Gang uh, Network. Um, and other organizations like that. So we're aware that you have to be strategic in in in, in, your, in terms of of confronting cro- uh, gangs in your in your county, and and the FPD is certainly aware of that. They have somebody who does that. Sheriff's office is, is as well. So we recognize it's a problem. We absolutely nobody. I don't think anybody's ignoring that it's that it's a problem and that they're organized and that they're here because they are. I mean, we see it. I mean, we see. You know, the colors, we see all the indicia of gang. Um, you know, the, the um, uh, sheriff's office does a great job in terms of uh, intel uh, in their correctional facility in the, in the detention center. So, um, you know, you just have to treat them more harshly. You know, and that's just the bottom line. I mean, they're doing horrible, horrible things like yeah. chopping up people, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, uh, and I'm talking for stupid stuff. You know, so I, I can remember, you know, girl appeared on Facebook and they didn't like it because there was somebody else in the picture that was in a rival gang. What, what happens? She winds up chopped up dead in a, in, in a park down in Arundel County. So it's just, a, it's, it's brutal stuff. What, ch- what challenges did you have in charging these specific individuals? Did you encounter any, any challenges in bringing these guys to justice? 
Well, in terms of making a charging decision, we worked very, very closely with FPD. They have really dedicated detectives over there that put a ton of hours into this case, just a ton. Um, and, of course, our, our chief of violent crimes, Rebecca Clinton, worked very closely, as well as another prosecutor, because it was just too much for her to do alone. And um, so there's a lot of front-end work on this. I mean, I know everybody, the sexy part is prosecuting them and, and, and getting justice for the victims and seeing that they're, if they're a threat to public safety, which, you know, that type of case obviously would be that they go to jail. But there's a ton of front-end stuff on this stuff. It really is a lot. you got to figure out who did what with whom and what's a conspiracy, whether it's a, a gang-related charge or not, and what exactly conduct they did. Tons of that. And so, uh, um, you know, we worked very, very hard on this case. I obviously can't make any comment because it's a pending case on the facts, specific facts of the case, but certainly worked real hard work and work lockstep with the feds, too. Is your office, um, and we're speaking with uh, state's attorney, Charlie Smith, we're going to talk to him about uh, a very prestigious uh, office that he got. But is your office uh, in general with the is the court system overwhelmed with cases? You know. I would probably, you know, I'd probably say that we're not. Um, I mean, our prosecutors are overwhelmed with cases because it's just always a funding issue, and uh, people are working, uh, you know, double time quite frequently. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that we have sufficient judges to handle our cases. Uh, I, I, we always need an extra courtroom. Um, we're always, it's like the school system. You're always like, you know, there's portables out back, so to speak, uh, and that seems to be a constant thing with government entities and funding. It's always delayed, uh, you know. But uh, no, I, I honestly, I think that we're we're we're, we're holding our own. Um, I don't think it's a situation where we're, you know, wholesaling cases or something like that. That certainly is not occurring. You know, Charlie, uh, we we think back to the the vicious attack by two 15-year-olds on John Weed at the at the fair. Just a really dark moment, I, I guess, in our community, at least for a couple of days. I think back to the light sentence those uh, those 15-year-olds receive receiving anger management. What has changed in juvenile justice? Are your hands tied from the state level, and has the age of infancy changed? According to the legislators, it has. One of my biggest pet peeves is when they try to call them children. Um, and, I'm, and I'm like, hey, look, you know, the 17-year-old gang member who's on his fourth body uh, is, not a, is not a child. It's just not. It's not fair to call, it, to call that person a child. Um, I mean, yes, they're a youth. Yes, they're a juvenile. But they're, 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 there's nothing about that, that six foot four, you know, 215-pound murdering uh, person that's a, that's a child. So um, I think that, that I, I could go on and on about this issue. I just we just got a PIA request, a Public Information Act request, with regard to some juvenile policies, and I responded pretty harshly on this issue. The Juvenile Restoration Act, or the JRA, is what we call it, uh, basically gutted. Um, our juvenile system. We are powerless, really, to, to, to do anything with children. Uh, almost all the power now lies in the state government, and we as local prosecutors have very little say now about, uh, about the, a, a large volume of cases that come into our office. Mm. I'll leave it at that. So with the 15-year-old, do you know what they're doing right now? Are you guys watching these kids? Because I would say that they're likely to do this again. Well, that's, you know, 
our juvenile system is set up for rehabilitation as opposed to punishment. So, and and I and I believe very very strongly in that. I think that the best way to fight crime um, is to start at the very very beginning. I mean, there's a lot of kids, a lot of youth out there that that come from disadvantaged situations and so we're expecting this kid who grows up in a with no parents in a, in, in a gang environment to, to like be a you know head off to West Point or Princeton or something or whatever it's not going to happen it's not it just isn't and we're fooling ourselves if we think it is so you know you know there's a lot of stuff we need to be able to do, do better on the front end and I'm not busting on education system I'm not busting on our social services system but I'm saying that uh, crime really with regard to these youth starts at a very young age it really does. And what I wind up saying is just the end product. And by the time they come in my front door, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm like, look, you want me to try to rehabilitate this kid? He's a violent gang member. I, I'm putting him in jail so it doesn't hurt, hurt somebody. So, you know, I could go on and on about that. But it, it's, a, it's definitely a, a, complicated, a complicated question. Understood. Let's talk about uh, what happened to you on Monday. You were sworn in as the uh, president of the National District Attorneys Association. Hope I got that right. Um, you did. How did that come about? Well, um, you know, I began teaching at the National Advocacy Center for, uh, it's called the National College of District Attorneys um, back in the 99. And so I got involved with the organization back then. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, I have a little bit of a cold. And so. Uh, um, I just became more and more involved. They were like, hey, Charlie, you're doing a great job. We'd like you to teach this class, that class. And then back in 2014, all, uh, I just finished as president of the Maryland State's Attorneys Association, and everybody in our state association, elected prosecutors from all the counties, said, hey, Charlie, we'd really like you to represent our state uh, nationally because each state gets a state director. So I was the Maryland State Director for many years, and I'm a kind of a worker bee type of guy, so you know when I go in there and they give me a task, I'm, I I do it. I think I tend to do it pretty well. Um, and next thing you know, I was the treasurer for a few years. And next thing you know, they're like, look, you know, you're the type of person we need to lead the organization. So I was voted in by all the 50 state directors to be the president-elect, and then here I am, president. So that's the short story. Charlie, I, I have to ask you this, and congratulations on the accolade, well deserved. But but I'm I'm thinking ahead, and a lot of people of a lot of our listeners have these same concerns about Sheriff Chuck Jenkins and his process uh, with the federal indictment. If he needs to step down, without Sheriff Jenkins, he's been a big proponent of illegal immigration, stopping illegal immigration. The 287G has been very outspoken, done a lot of work on that. Are you concerned as a prosecutor that if Sheriff Jenkins is no longer in the picture, that crime will take a significant jump, even higher than it is now? Absolutely not. And I say that because I think people really underestimate some of us as leaders. We have great organizations under us. So I, I, I invest more time and effort in building a, a, a solid core of people who could do the job, quite frankly, without me. Uh, you know, we all hate to think that because we've been doing it a long time. We've been doing it well. But my office would be, you know, they, you know sure, there'd be some bumps in the road. Um, but I, I hired, I, I try to hire the best people possible. And there's some really great people in the command staff over there at Frederick County Sheriff's Office. There really is. So, no, they, I mean, the, uh, you know, the criminals aren't going to be set free in the courtrooms of Charlie Smith 
you know, uh, gets hit by a bus today, you know, and, and crime's not going to jump if, if, if Chuck Jenkins or our chief of police or whoever gets, gets sick for the next six months or whatever, or for whatever takes him or her out of their office. So <clears throat> I know that's probably not the answer you're expecting, but they've they got a great organization over there. They really do. I mean, and when you build a great organization, if you're smart, you build it so that once you leave, it's going to continue to do well. And I think that's what's happened over the years. All right, Charlie, thank you so much for I, joining us. I do us. have one more question, sure. if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's just a bizarre one. So I've been watching, unfortunately, a lot of lawyer shows, binge watching. <laughs> so Boston Legal or Suits, which is more accurate in your office? <laughs> You know, I hate to admit it, I wouldn't know Boston legal or suits if it walked down the street. So, uh, so I think you're I saw Denny an Green. ad on Netflix for suits, <laughs> but I don't watch a lot of TV, unfortunately. Um, uh, but uh, that was a funny question. I'll ask it at work. I'm sure some of the young people know what it is. I'll get back to you on that one. How about that? We'll take a Twitter poll, Charlie, next. Thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate you, you making time for us this morning. Feel better. Thank you. All right, thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. County State's Attorney, Charlie Charlie Smith. Smith.